0: Life, life is difficult. It's just the way it is. Life is tough, especially if you're a Beaver fan. <laughs> Got our hopes up, only to dash them, right? <laughs> I, I joke, but I don't want to take away from the seriousness of that comment that life is tough. It is. Life's difficult. And, and all of us have different seasons of life that don't treat us as well as we would like. And sometimes those seasons are more than just season. They're, they're whole years or multiple years or, or maybe a whole lifetime of troubles. And our passage this morning, and actually the passages that we've been studying in this upper room discourse, really speak to that fact that life uh, is troublesome. And it says it very, Jesus repeats those words often, that uh, life, life, life stinks sometimes and uh, the disciples are going are getting ready here to go through a period of time where in their limited scope of vision for the future and in their limited understanding life is about to get really tough for them so tough that they would scatter they would they would leave they would kind of abandon what they had been called to for the for the last 3 years And it wouldn't be until they gathered together in uh, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, and received the Spirit that they would start to understand and regain that perspective. But Jesus is preparing them and saying, life is going to be difficult for you for a little while. And ultimately, we know that in the life of the apostles, the early church, that life often was very difficult and to the point where it cost people their lives. So, as we've been looking through this passage, we're coming to the end of the Upper Room Discourse. Next week will be uh, the last message that we talk about uh, of the Upper Room Discourse, which runs from John 13 to John 17. Next week will be John 17, where we finish up with the Lord's Prayer for His followers. But we started several weeks back in John chapter 13, as Jesus set the stage for the evening. This all this all All these weeks that we've been talking about, encapsulate one conversation, one uh, evening that Jesus had with his disciples. And weeks ago, we started with that first moment when he gathered his disciples together and he set the tone for the evening. And he set the tone not just for the evening, but for their life as followers of him, of Jesus, when he washed their feet. He practiced humility. He demonstrated to them love and humility as he got down on his hands and knees and did something that no leader, no king, no authority figure would ever do for those who were in subjection to them, who followed them. But that's what he did. In John 13, we also learned about the betrayals that would soon accompany Jesus as he goes through the most difficult moments of his earthly life when he would uh, be uh, separated from the Father on the cross and also separated from his disciples as they turned their backs on him. We know that Peter denied him that, uh, that uh, what's his name, the guy that abandoned him, help me out, (laughs) Judas, thank you, holy moly, talk about a a, uh, blank mind there for a second, Judas, right? Judas, he he totally sold him out, okay? We also learned in John chapter 14 that Jesus didn't leave his disciples in their betrayal, in their denial, in their deserting him, right? He promised them that he would come back, he would gather them back together and that he would be with them and he would take them to where he is. In John 14, the last half, we looked at this love, obedience, spirit cycle. I've mentioned it each week. I'm sure you've got the hang of it by now. But we learned that as if we really love Jesus, what do we do? We obey him. And as we obey him, he he gives us a promise that he will give his spirit to us. And that spirit, its job is to help us love him more, which leads to more obedience, which leads to more of him. That's a great cycle to be caught up in, let me tell you. We also learn in John 15 that as as followers of, of Jesus, that we need to remain in him. Through all the difficulties of life, there's going to be things tugging us away from him, trying to get our attention and take us from him. Worldly philosophies, time commitments, hobbies, things like that that try to take us away from Jesus. But we are to remain in him and through our spiritual disciplines, things that are tough to do sometimes, but to being committed to reading our Bibles, to praying, to serving one another, to loving each other, to forgiving each other. Those disciplines allow us to remain in him. In John 15, the last half, or the middle section, excuse me, we learned about a greater kind of love, right? A greater kind of love that uh, Jesus demonstrated to us on the cross. And that he asked us to show that kind of agape love, that sacrificial love to each other. And then the last part of John 15, uh, he reminds us, he tells his disciples that the world is going to hate them. And it's going to hate them for a variety of reasons. And we talked about some of those. Just that Jesus represents an authority in their, in their lives. And people rebel against authority. And so they don't like that what Jesus calls them to do is different from maybe what their natural desires are to do. Okay, but the world will hate us. Sometimes it's a result of our own actions. Last week we learned how the Spirit is out there. And Jesus has offered to pour it upon us. And we need to thirst for that Spirit. We need to desire it and, and uh, like being dehydrated and desiring water, we need to desire the spirit. And so this week, John 16, the last part of John 16 is kind of a culmination of what Jesus has said in all of these previous uh, verses that we've read, all these passages from John 13 up to this point. He's kind of wrapping up what he's been talking to them about. So today we're going to read John 16 through 33, and we're actually going to skip a few verses in the middle for the sake of time this morning, verses 23 through 27. We're not going to read because it's kind of an aside thought, so I'd encourage you to read it this week, uh, or hopefully you've read it this last week as well, but we're going to skip over that, not because we're trying to take out from God's word, but just for the sake of our, our length this morning. So let's begin in John 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. And Jesus saw that, that they wanted to ask him about this. And so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep, you will mourn, while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish, Because for joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Picking up in verse 28. I came from the Father and I entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figure of speech. Now he can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Shake our head at that, right? Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Here's our key verse this morning. Verse 33. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Eight times so far in this upper room discourse, from John 13 to this point in John 16... Eight times in John 13, 33, 13, 36, 14, 2-4, four, 14, 18, and 19, 14, 28. You get my picture? Eight times. Uh, Jesus has told them and he has warned them that he's leaving them. Eight times. He said it over and over and over again. And here we have in this passage a final reminder of his prior warnings that he will be leaving them. So what is he doing? Why has he been preparing them? Why has he been warning them so often of what is to come? Throughout John 13 through16, Jesus tells his disciples why he has been telling them these things. In John 13:19, he says that He's telling these, him, them these things so that they will believe in Him. In John 14:29, again, he says, "I'm telling you these things so you will believe." In John 15 and 11, he says, I'm telling you these things so that your joy will be complete. And in John 16, verse 4, last week's, he says that I'm telling you these things so that you will remember that he warned you about them. So now we have John 16, verse 33, which is the verse we're going to focus on again this morning. He gives them a final reason. He says, I have told you these things. Why? So that they could have peace. He's reminding them, I have told you all of these things. Everything that I've done for you this evening. Everything from the moment I came in this doorway and you followed and I had you sit down and I washed your feet. To every warning I've given you, every bit of encouragement that I've shared is for one purpose. It's so that you will have peace. After he's told them the world is going to hate them, you will have peace. After telling them that he's going away. You will have peace. After throwing their equilibrium completely off kilter, after washing their feet and completely confusing them, after destroying their preconceived ideas of what it meant to be a follower, to be a disciple, he says, the reason I've done this is so that you will have peace. In John fourteen twenty seven, we read that he said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So where does this peace originate? That verse tells us we're at. So that in him you might have peace. So why do we need this peace? He he says that that's the purpose. He came to give peace. But why? Well, he answers that question. Why? So that uh, because you will what? Have trouble. Okay, You will have trouble. It's a guarantee. Like I said earlier in in my message uh, as I introduced everything. We will have trouble. There's going to be seasons of our life. There's going to be whole portions of our life. Maybe our whole life will be filled with trouble. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Really, James? You had to give us that one, didn't you? Right? Really? Why would you say that? Consider it joy when you face troubles. When you go through trials in your life. Why would you say that? Well, he answers in in verses 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There's a purpose for the troubles in this world. There's a reason why. It's so that we can develop a greater faith. And our greater faith will give us greater peace. What kind of troubles do we face in this life? What kind of troubles did the disciples have in front of them? Well, ultimately we know what the big trouble is that they're going to be dealing with in just a few short hours, actually. Jesus' arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion, his death and his burial. And then ultimately, thankfully, we know the end of the story that he would rise again. But at this point, they didn't know about that. All they knew of that something bad was, was coming in front of them. We also know what kind of trouble that they have. They would have trouble from the world. The world would hate them. Ultimately, in the lives of the disciples and the apostles, it would lead to their deaths. There would be persecution of all believers, especially early in the early church. But that persecution hasn't stopped, right? It's continued to this day. There's people across the world and around this world that are still persecuted today. So trouble that is promised in this verse continues in the lives of the believers today. We know that trouble sometimes is life issues. So there are people in this room who have suffered uh, job loss, that have addictions, or are facing discouragement. Sometimes life just brings with it troubles. Sometimes they originate in our own family. Divorce or abuse. Maybe disappointment from children who haven't uh, gone down the path that we've wanted. Maybe we've been let down by other people. Sometimes our trouble comes from our relationships, either unhealthy relationships or relationships that have deteriorated, relationships that have ended cause us trouble. Uh, Difficulties in jobs sometimes originate from our relationships with our coworkers and our boss. Sometimes our troubles are from illness, sickness, disease, and sometimes it's from tragedy. Like I've shared, my family has had its share of tragedy this year so this has been a season of discouragement in that regard a season of trouble for my family but god is offering us peace even in the midst of that tragedy and that's why he says in the next part he says uh, i have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart okay? take heart or in other words be courageous in Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, it says, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is me, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage. I found that interesting as I was reading that, because it doesn't say, work at it and develop courage. right? It doesn't say, practice it until you get it right, right. It doesn't say, take a class on how to become courageous or that follow this equation, and if you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, then you will be courageous. What does it say? Take it. Take hold of it. Grab it. It's a mindset. Decide to be courageous. We have the truth. We have the creator of everything that we know on our side, and he's telling us to be courageous because he has given us that ability. Okay? Because he has dealt with every issue that we could face. We're on the winning side. We know how it all ends. Because he has overcome. He has defeated death. And just like that song we sang just a little bit ago, mentions both of those things. Jesus has overcome. Jesus has defeated death. Which means that we should have no fear because we know where we're going. Take hold of courage. Courage. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But be courageous and take heart. Grab it. Because he has overcome. He has overcome. How has he overcome? What do you think? He's about to show the disciples, right? He's about to demonstrate the way that Jesus overcomes through the cross that's why we're here this morning because of the cross because of what Jesus did that night that next day on the cross by dying and defeating death he has overcome death in 2 Timothy 1 verses 12 it says but now it has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who has abolished death and brought life In immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus abolished death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 5 it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It has no victory. It has no sting because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It follows that up in verses 6 and 7 when it says, The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can be courageous because the victory was handed to them, to us. It's like a football game, right? Okay, When you go and someone said, hey, I've already won the game, mark up the W in the win column. It's already been taken care of, already dealt with it. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's taken care of sin. He's taken care of death, and He's given us the victory. See, we can take heart. We can be courageous when we know the victory has already been won. So, what's the what's the result? What what happens as a result of Jesus overcoming? Well, we have an eternal relationship with Jesus. We have an eternal relationship with God, the Creator of all things Himself. In Romans five eighteen, it says, "The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again." Rather, the Spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, what? Do you know the end of that verse? What do we cry? Abba, Father. Okay, we have a relationship that isn't just a, hey, I know Him, He's a good guy, right? I know that God, He's, you know, He's, He's fair. <laughs> he's done great things. No. I know Him like I know my Father. Okay? He's taken me in. He's made me His. He's called me His Son, and I can call Him father. And read that verse again. If I can find it in my notes. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. The victory has been won. You don't have to worry about it. In this world you'll have trouble, but that trouble doesn't compare to anything that I offer you. Take heart. The victory is won. I've overcome the world. I hope that encourages you. I hope that helps you, because with that knowledge, we can face anything that this life has to offer. We get cancer. <laughs> that stinks. Jesus is overcome. It doesn't change your destiny. It doesn't change the end result. It doesn't change the answer to your life. Someone walks out. Your spouse walks out. They betray you. It doesn't change the end The story ends the same way. You can take heart. You can be courageous. This morning I would like to offer you the opportunity to grab hold of the victory that has already been taken for you and awaits you. And if you haven't done that, if you have not had that opportunity, why wait? Why wait? The time is now to take hold of that victory which has already been won for you. So why are we doing this? What can we take home from this? Well, there's a reason that we're memorizing John chapter 15 verse 12. Let's say it together right now. Here we go. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. John 15:12. One more time. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. John 15:12. How is this world going to know that the victory has been won for them if we don't love them like he loved us? Will it know? The non-believers out there, the people who don't follow Jesus, who don't read their Bible, who don't have any concept of what living a spiritual Christ-centered life is about, how will they know that the victory has been won if we don't practice this verse right here? They won't. That's the answer. So why do we memorize John 15:12? So that when we have the opportunity to love someone like Christ loves us, we'll take it because that verse is here and that verse is here. Here's the next one. Make a list of the things that are troubling you. And I want you to pray about these things that you've listed each day. God wants to hear from you. That burden that's on your heart is on his heart too. And he's told us, bring it to him with prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. Pray for those things. Pray for those people that are troubling you. Maybe not just things, right? Maybe a situation in your life. It may be a relationship. It could be all those things that we mentioned earlier that cause us trouble. Make a list of those things and pray for them this week. The victory has been won, and you can take courage, you can be bold. Because it's, it's done. The, the, the story has been written. Your story has already been written. And it's a matter of what you're going to do with it now. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we're so grateful that there's a battle out there that needs to be fought. But you've already taken care of it. You've already fought it. You've already defeated the enemy. And because of that, Father, we get the results. We get the benefit. And I just pray, Father, that that benefit of eternal life in you, the benefit of of freedom from the pressure of this world, the troubles of this world, will, will motivate us to share that fact, that love with everybody else in our lives and help us to be people that are patient and loving and caring and kind and generous this week. Father, this week is a great opportunity as we enter the holiday seasons to be kind and loving to our community. And I just pray, Father, that as a result of the victory being won for us, we will share that with this community. Because being thankful for the things in our life are one thing, but being thankful for what you offer is what really matters. Please bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.